What it is, what is up, what is good, gamers? This is Shonuff71, and your auditory canals are tuned into episode 122 of the Gaming Vessels Podcast. And as usual, I am not in the digital studio alone, but unfortunately this week we are missing one partner in crime, that being Dez, a.k.a. the Bay Area Terror, a.k.a. the High Res Hater, a.k.a. Cat Daddy, a.k.a. Gamer Step Daddy. He will unfortunately not be able to join us this week because he's not feeling all that great. So, Des, this is a shout-out to you. Hope you will you are getting better, and I'm sure that he will be joining us again for next week's episode. But in the digital studio is Trader Joe, because our show is a no-go without Trader Joe, a.k.a. the Food Max of Gaming, who will maximize your gaming dollar. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just like kind of just chilling on this like kind of overcasty type day, you know, just getting stuff done. Not working, which is a boon to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> trying to fill up a hard drive full of PS5 games. That's what I'm doing right now, too. So, mm-hmm. I go in there after we record this and check on that. Yeah, I've been, um, I set up a separate hard drive to back up any PS5 games. So, I'll be able to finally, because before this uh, most recent update, I've been deleting games. You know, it's like, you know, I've been hardly playing what I have, but I still mm-hmm. would like to not have to delete and reinstall every time i get the itch you know kind of thing so Mm. so are you so do you run your ps4 games off your internal storage no i do external only so okay okay yeah i I put division two on there just to appease uh chris brown (laughs) oh your homework assignment that's right yeah i did my homework (laughs) assignment for gh radio and yeah, that that <coughs> game got moved right back onto the external drive I have for PS4 games. So, mm-hmm. so but yeah, I just I got a two terabyte drive I got from Walmart for eighteen bucks. That's really good. And so, I'm surprised I didn't buy out the whole store when they had those on sale. But I didn't have any practical use for them. But I grabbed an extra, and now the extras. Hey, I, I got some use out of this. Good mm-hmm. good deal, kind of thing. So. So I'm using that to store my uh, PS5 games if need be. So, so you're using the two. T- so, I thought so. The PS5 can support more than one external uh, attached hard drive at a time. No, but basically what I do is uh, when I'm ready to hook up the external for my PS5, I just go into the menu uh, for storage and I uh, basically do the like disconnect button oh, okay. to disconnect okay. the hard drive. And then what I'm doing is basically I'm just uh, unplugging my backup drive. I have a five terabyte for my PS4 games and then I have a two terabyte for the PS5. And so I'm just going to at a moment's notice if I want to because I can't play it off the drive anyway if I want to like move it off the external and put it back into internal I have to hook it up and then <laughs> uh, have it copy over afterwards as well so okay okay I see what you're saying yeah All right. so it's kind of cool because it's really convenient and granted it'd be better if I could hook up more than one drive I mean uh, say what you can about xbox but they do have the ability to hook up more than one external hard drive mm-hmm. to the um 
to the system. So that's uh, one boon for them for sure. So. Okay. Okay. I've got a, this is either a six or an eight terabyte drive. So I think I'm pretty good on the storage, on the storage front, at least for now. Um, and I don't have all of my, I don't have all of my PS4 games on the external storage. I just put the ones that I I'm either going I was either actively playing or plan to play in the future. There's still a couple that I don't have uh well more than a couple there's quite a few that I haven't put on there yet but um but yeah I've got uh I got a nice size external storage so I don't I don't think I'm going to worry too too much about my my storage situation i and with 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 ssd still being hella expensive for anything that for any size that you would reasonably consider using as a storage as a storage drive uh i think i'm i'm just going to stick with the standard platters yeah it, it i mean i watched the digital foundry blow out on the ps5 external drives and uh like for PS4 games, it's like it's like loading time could be 40 to 50 seconds versus like the 20 to 25 seconds with an SSD mm-hmm. on there. So, but you know, SSDs have gone down. It's just whether you're willing to live with one terabyte or not, you know. So, mm-hmm. and, or whether you want like because obviously you're gonna go out and try to buy a four terabyte like SSD drive. You're not going to get the price that you want for that. Mm-hmm. That's going to be in the four or five hundred dollar range, but I know you could go out right now and get like a Samsung one terabyte, like eight seventy Evo for around one hundred and twenty bucks, give or take. So it just depends on how much you really want to have mm-hmm. at your ready. And uh, they found that the external SSD speeds on back compat stuff is about the same as having it on the in, uh, internal drive. So it's about mm-hmm. as quick. In fact, okay. some some instances, the solid state drive, the external drive, was actually quicker than the internal, so which was crazy <laughs> to me. But so, for any of you peeps out there that do have a PS5 and you're looking to play your PS4 games, that's a if you really care about loading time, you know, it's it's more time for me to look at my phone until it got to this <laughs> year. So I've gotten used to it since 2013 playing on PS4. Hey, I got to deal with some loading time sometimes. So you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Indeed, indeed. So, <clears throat> as with as with every episode, our first talk topic on the docket is going to be the playlist. So, Trader Joe, you're up. What you been playing, man? Uh, a lot of Monster Hunter Rise still. Um, pretty much, I've been dabbling a lot online i've been playing with a few listeners to uh gerald joined us on monday on there and we were knocking out some more of his um hub quest if need be um then john bt posted in the discord on wednesday and i guess he beat magnamalo on his first try and so mm-hmm. it's like that kind of Got my eyebrows raised a bit. I saw him online, and he mentioned, hey, I got time for one game. And so so me and him went into the mix along with Alberto, and uh, I went into my hub quest because I had a, like an urgent quest to beat Magnamalo or face Magnamalo. And I thought, 
Okay, this is kind of early to be fighting Magnamalo. Is this like one of the like you know kind of cheesy like you know like because a lot of times with World what they did was they had exposition where you fought like one of the Elder Dragons for the first time and it was like one of these missions to where you fight them up for a certain point and then they would fly away or go somewhere and leave and whatnot. But uh, it wasn't that way. Uh, we just went in and John kind of helped me along. I brought some like Mega Demon drug. I brought some Mega Armor skin with me, and um, I we defeated it on my first try. So, well, you guys are better in the game than I am. I suck at Monster Hunter. I got four. I got four hundred hours in World and. I don't know how many had how I don't know how many in Rise, and I I'll be the first one to tell you I suck at the game. So more yeah. power to you. <laughs> I you know me and Des were kind of sitting there talking about I wonder what happened with Kev. I wonder why this was so hard for him because it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. And I don't. Maybe it has to do with the charge blade with you. Maybe I know. Is the charge blade like a newer weapon for you? As far as uh, no, I, how the... I was charge blade in world. I was charge. Well, I was mostly bow in world, but I started out with charge blade, so I, I ran both in world uh, fairly oh, successfully. Gotcha. Oh, okay, because yeah, we were we were maybe thinking it had to do with the fact that you're trying to use the charge blade. I didn't know how deep you got with the charge blade in world or not, and maybe I was thinking it was a. Uh, something to wear if it was a newer weapon for you because i know the charge blade for me at least just seems overly complex in comparison to the other weapons mm. on there so but i don't it sounds like to me you're not willing to you know go back to this game at any point you know so it's no biggie either way but uh you know i wound up by jump on with des afterwards for a little bit and we um, cause he wanted to get a crack at Magnamola after he found out that both me and John BT kind of knocked it out. And so we knocked it out uh, that same night as mm -hmm. well and opened up the high rank missions on there. So, and there's a lot of stuff that pops uh, once that's done pretty much. And there's a lot of more uh, side quests and little missions and, you know, obviously uh, some more stuff opened up a bit on there at least uh, so there's enough meat there i've got like a nice long laundry list of different monsters coming into the mix and uh you know we're not talking about news this episode but the next title update's coming uh next week it's gonna drop uh, before the end of the week i believe next week uh coming mm -hmm. up you know when this episode's published it'll be dropping that same week so Mm -hmm. so we'll definitely take a look and yeah it's it's been taking a lot of my time uh, i've been enjoying playing uh quite a bit and so that's pretty much been my go-to go-to um i also been playing a little outriders um a little bit with des on there I, I haven't progressed too much i went to some sort of uh ice world uh from there and was looking to secure something for the doctor and um you know i haven't really delved in any of the um uh, weapon like modifications and stuff you could do and whatnot i know des was definitely way more into it than i am um yeah i think he's up to level 17 with his uh pyromancer i believe i'm like level 13 right now uh mm -hmm. the game's been okay as far as it running i we dropped out of the party once on there but it's not as bad after they disabled matchmaking after they disabled crossplay on there um so and i know uh 
you know, quite a few people. I know John BT commented to us that, that this is something that he's going to be getting into, but only on a deep discount or at least a sale of some sort, you know, so mm-hmm. on there. I don't know how deep that sale is going to be for you, Kev, to get get back in because I know you definitely liked playing the demo, right? I mean, we grinded <laughs> yeah, I, enough on it. Is it? Yeah, I, I like the game. Uh, I definitely want to go back and play it. It's just... The developers, you know, I said, like I said on last week, I something just the way the developers been handling the uh, loss of inventory just really didn't settle with me in comparison to how, like, uh, the guys that did No Man's Sky responded to it. And, and their game wasn't broken. It just wasn't what was promised. I just think that People Can Fly could have been a little bit more uh, humble in their approach instead of cracking jokes with the the emojis with with frustration emoji you know i i i get that they were trying to make light of it but it just came across as being a, a kind of arrogant in my opinion and i mean they already got they already got my money cuz i bought the game new so <laughs> you know they're not go- it's not going to me taking it back isn't going to, it doesn't hurt them at all quote unquote because they've already made that money since this supposedly isn't a isn't a game game as a service game, but you know when it when it when it when it's fixed, like officially fixed, um, then maybe I'll go back. But but I'm I'm kind of in line with that thought. I'll go back when there's a discount. For sure, or if you maybe could score a Series X and grab Game Pass. But uh... I don't know if I don't I don't know if I. Eh, I don't know. It, 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 I mean, I don't know which which whichever comes first, the chicken or the egg. <laughs> you know, I'll take the chicken or I'll take the egg. It, it, uh, I, was not, I, I forgot to ask the GameStop manager at my home store whether they were going to get any systems in. I saw that they got systems in this past week, but they were for um, for the Xbox like uh, all access pass, you know. And I doubt you want to get on that. Like, you know, hey, pays. 35 bucks a month for X amount of months. I know you already had the credit to spend. So it's well, I mean, people were saying that they wanted $800 for those for the first system alone through that program program. I I saw that on Twitter. I don't know how accurate that was. Well, you're paying the actual retail price for games pass ultimate basically is what they're considering in the price. So there's no actually like uh, interest that they're charging for it. It's just you're paying retail price for the entirety of the system plus retail price for whatever, how many months of uh, Games Pass Ultimate on top. So, you know, and obviously if you're if you're savvy enough, you're savvy enough. Well, Games Pass Ultimate, I believe, is what, $15 a month? So you figure 15 bucks a month uh, times 36, which would be like <laughs> for three years. That would take you to uh, 540 bucks right there, and they're probably giving a little bit of a discount between the 540 and uh, like 499.99 for the price of the Series X. So that's like perceived a uh, 1040 in value, 1,040 dollars in value. So oh, God. That, that just seems they should. My understanding was that you that the Game Pass was not part of that program. Is that you were no, just you, paying for the base, the this the base system, just the box, no games, just the game, the box and the controller. 
No, it comes with Games Pass, so that's part of the deal. That's part of the perceived quote-unquote value of uh, Games Pass all access, Xbox all access. So yeah, and you can't use store credit to get that anyway, so there's no point. Mm. No, not at all. No, I'm good. Better off saving that credit for Amico or something. So (laughs) no, no, I've already got that through. through the founders, the founders edition coming through uh, the manufacturer. So, oh, good deal, good deal. So yeah, you know, I, I got in that on that. People eater looking. Actually, no. Around. Believe it or not, I kind of, I kind of, sort of wish I would have gone with one of the other colors because the founders edition, and and it turns out it's not so founders because the quote unquote classic with the 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 faux wood grain is avail- is going to be available in the stores too. Oh, is it? I, okay. Yeah, I was kind of let down by that. It's like, well, you you were kind of pitching this as you know the founders edition, and you, know, you get this and you know the exclusive, you know, finish on this on on this box, and it's like, no, not really, because when the game comes, when the thing comes out, they're going to have the uh, the faux wood grain. And looking at the console, just taking in the console at a you know in pictures at a distance. I think the other colors look better than the because the faux wood grain, it the way that console is designed, it just doesn't look right. Gotcha. Unless it's like in the form factor of the original Intellivision, it's It's not. It is not. It is completely different. It is more in line with maybe the Intellivision Two, which was a smaller box. I have the Intellivision Two. I'm going to be. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to try and do some. I wish I could do do like comparative video, but I just do not have the equipment, and I you know I don't want to invest that kind of money to get oh. that going. But um, I remember that system quite well. I had a friend yeah. with it and a television too, and I like the look of it compared to the original OG, in my mm. opinion, though like off white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it is more in comparison in size to the Intellivision too. So I'm going to I'm going to definitely got my Intellivision 2 is at my mom's house. So I'm definitely going to be doing taking some like measurements and seeing how the two stack up against each other but size-wise but uh but yeah. But anyway, sorry for that 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 no, you gotta be you gotta be careful when you ask me about retro consoles because <laughs> I will I will go down that rabbit trail like nobody's business. That's what the listeners listen to the show for. It's all this uh, sidebar stuff. It's like no big deal. Only other thing I've been playing is Torchlight 2. I kind of got back to that and I want to actually finish the game. And like, uh, I'm still kind of stuck in the same in game area. And I had to like maybe go and fight the same boss again uh, because of the fact that I left and went to another part of the world to finish up another quest. And so. Uh, just being out of practice and then trying to go in there half asleep, trying to defeat this boss last night. I just wanted to like, you know, I just want to get done and over with. So <laughs> I might even dial the difficulty down. Cause I just want to get to the end game. It's like, you know, something to where you stick a game, uh, on ice where a good, like six to eight weeks, maybe even three months and going back to it. It's like, okay, I'm enjoying this loop, but I know I'm in the end game. I know I can't go anywhere else to grind up a little bit, you know, so get a little bit better gear. And it just seems like I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place uh, with the difficulty with these final bosses and whatnot. So, so Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of, 
figure out whether I'm just going to stay in that last area and maybe grind up a little bit, maybe get some better gear drops or decide to dial down the difficulty. But I do want to finish it. So mm -hmm. I actually want to go to play Torchlight 3, which is on Games Pass, but I also bought the game for reals because, you know, I could curate my own games. Thank you very much, uh, <laughs> Xbox on PlayStation, as well or better than what I get on Games Pass. But, uh, mm -hmm. All right. Okay, what you been playing? What you been up to, man? Well, I've been I've been working on my little side thing a lot, going back and because like the past couple of weeks I've just been so tired coming home from work, so I've just kind of been crashing out. But this past week I jumped back into learning these learning these apps and I kind of had to go back and refresh because I forgot a lot of the stuff that I had learned before so it's just going to be a matter of uh of actually practicing the lessons and you know utilizing the lessons with the content that I already have ready to go uh and applying what I'm learning to uh that content that I that I've got to prepare for the website so I would do I was doing a lot of that this week. The only gaming that I did was late Friday night. Uh, I I played some near replicant and I'm very early in the game. I never played the original, so this is this is completely new to me. Uh, and it is very Comparing it to uh, uh, Automata, I'm, I'm, I think the character, the character or characters rather, are going to undergo some substantial changes because the intro kind of you, you kind of got a glimpse of how you're at least the one of the main characters is going to be playing later on in the game, but. The, where the game actually starts, you have you are substantially less powerful, and there's a something takes place. It's like there's a time skip, and where you you pick up that character and start playing as him, you are substantially without some key elements. And I won't go into what those key elements are, because the game does not explain how you get from you. It's like you went to from a from from C back to A, they don't tell you how you dealt with B. You just kind of went from one to a hundred and then back to one <laughs> when the game officially starts. Uh, but the combat was very reminiscent of Bayonetta. That's the thing that kind of stuck in my and stuck in my mind. The there is a grimoire in the and in the introduction of the combat, there is a grimoire that is kind of like your, your power move amplifier, if you will. So you have your, your melee attacks, you have uh, light and heavy attacks. Uh, heavy attacks seems to be, and it all, it, it's all, it's all sense, case sensitive, depending on whether you're in the air or on the ground of what you do. You also can hold down both buttons. The quick attack button and the heavy attack button will do different things, whether you're on the ground or in the air. But the Grimoire, that button is tied to your, I think it's either R1 or R2. 
again, I, it was super late on Friday, so I don't quite remember exactly what I was doing there, but that it executes your uh, the, the your your powered up attacks, and they come and it's very bayonetta uh, reminiscent because they kind of look like the hair attacks from bayonetta, except there is like this uh, monster arm coming out of this this grimoire that's floating that's floating next to your head, and again, this is all third person kind of uh, you know. Basically, if you've played uh, Bayonetta or any other third-person heavy action or melee 3D game, that's it's basically the same viewpoint. You have total control of the camera and whatnot. You can do uh, manual lock-ons. The Grimoire kind of also has has like a um, almost like a Panzer Dragoon lock-on feature with some of its powers. Like uh, and it kind of goes through several different um, attacks. Like there is a um, like this monster arm that comes out. Then there is a uh, kind of like what they what they call the impaler, and it sends these these energy spears from the ground that impales these what they call the sh the shadows or the shades uh, that are the enemy element in this game. And it impales them from the ground up, so they get they get stabbed through. And they're if it does if they're not killed, then they're held in place for a while and allows you to attack them from that standpoint. And then you're introduced to a ranged attack, which they call the javelin, and that is has a charge up lock on feature. You can charge up to I think it's about eight levels of power. And you use that to actually attack the boss at the end of the introduction to uh, the introductory level to take him out uh, because you're actually surrounded by smaller uh, versions of that boss, of that boss shade, and you're fighting them off. And then you're targeting using your ranged javelin attacks to take down the main boss. And that's when it skips and it takes you to the be actual beginning of the game. But from just from what little I've played, it's I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I'm rem I'm a little bit reluctant to say this is definitely a get, but just from what little I've played, I would say I'm I'm not going to be disappointed yeah. uh, with how this game is going to turn out. It looks very good. I picked it up too. I have not played Automata at all, and so this is like almost like jumping into the series new for me mm -hmm. yeah i kind of wanted to start here i know like if you're super the hardest you'd probably play the dragon guard series first because i know that there's some tangential like stuff that ties that series to near i believe on mm -hmm. here but yeah no i'm ready to uh, get a give this series a chance and check it out i feel ashamed i have not played automata at all you oh, Automata is so good. It is so good. And and one thing that is kind of like the staple for these for these games, Automata had an astounding soundtrack. Oh yeah. And Replicant is their soundtrack seems to be just in this introductory level, it seems to be just as good. It is I think that it's games like Automata and Replicant that would kind of want either want you to get it or it encourages you to either invest in a uh like a either a sound system an audio sound system 
that you could take advantage of that uh, of that sound or a high end um, like speakers, you know, headphones uh, where you can actually really enjoy that. And I'm not an audiophile, which is why I have not really invested invested in that. I've kicked I'm I'm kind of kicked around the idea of actually getting a sound bar system at some point, but. I'm perfectly happy with the computer speakers that I use in my in my uh, entertainment center right now. But the music oh. is just amazing. Absolutely well, maybe amazing. maybe for this game, just pick up a pair of nice headphones and connect it to your Dual Sense and just have at it. You know. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I said it kind of makes me want to do that. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I, I, I got, I got the spare headphones you could, you could have. So, I mean, I got headphones up, uh, going out the yay-yay over here. So. <laughs> so maybe next time we meet up, I'll, I'll let I'll give you a pair of at least over-the-ear headphones that you could use to play a game single player and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, my wife was... Uh, she had some target, I guess that, what do they call that? That red, the red, red card. Red card. Yeah. She has some red card credit and, uh, just out of the blue, she offered to, to get me some games. So my sweetheart wife was kind enough to do that for me. And, um, I just got some, I got, uh, wild guns and I got, uh, need for speed. I can't, uh, the remastered, that remastered need yeah, for mo- speed. most wanted. Most wanted. Most- yeah. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to play either one of those yet, but I have them. I do have them loaded. But yesterday was a cool day for me because I had a chance to hang out a little bit with my nephew and his kids, my great nephew EJ and Anaya. Love those. They're they're like two 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 of my the favorite my favorite people in the world. And actually, I saw two thirds of uh, of my nieces and nephews. I didn't get to see little Faye. But uh, well, that's that's not. Uh, he he is my uh, my middle nephew's child, uh, but I didn't get a chance to see her. But uh, they were over at my mom's house visiting her for a little bit, so I got a chance to run into all to all three of them. So it was great to catch up, and um, so my my little nephew is playing Monster Hunter Rise and. Uh, yeah, I told him I had told him the uh, the beating that Maggie had given me and he looked at me he gave me this this look of disappointment. <laughs> so I feel that I have lost a little bit of my of my gamer cred in the eyes of my little nephew. So um, I went back and I picked up that damn game again. So uh, I have rise again said for oh. specifically for the purpose uh because uh, EJ is just, he is just like super into it. it this is actual, this game has actually taken over uh, a S- Super Smash right now. I mean, he's still, he's still a Super Smash player, but he's not really as into it right now. Uh, he's kind of put it, it's kind of like on, on the back burner. But I think he's still going to keep up his uh, his smash skills. But right now, he said the only game that he's been playing uh, since it came out has been Monster Hunter Rise. So uh, hopefully his back is strong because he's going to be carrying his uncle through, <laughs> through uh, at least through the, 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 the Maggie fight. 
so oh, uh, we'll, we'll help you out, man. Yeah, it's like, you know. yeah, it's not, not a big deal. In fact, if you get, get up to him in the hub, uh, we have no problem. I mean, you know, John BT, me, Dez, I mean, we will all, I think even Gerald's mentioned the fact that he got to the end game on the, on the village. So mm-hmm. on there. So we're definitely going to be playing with Gerald again uh, this upcoming Monday. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, he was like, he, cause I, uh, told him of uh, some of the woes and uh, he also joined our discord so shout out to him uh for about about my magnamalo woes and he's like so was it the was it the uh the multiplayer or was it the village and i said man it was the village the village maggie he said really and he just kind of he kind of shook his head in disappointment <laughs> so I have to redeem myself in my uh, in my nephew's eyes, and that that's the reason why I went back and picked it up. So uh, I gotta I gotta I gotta restore I I gotta restore my honor. So that's <laughs> oh, why, well, that's I, why I went and picked it up. But well, man, I'm, that's I'm, really. Oh, go ahead. I'm glad you jumped back in the fray. I mean, so. well, if it wasn't for EJ, I wouldn't. I I I gotcha. I'd, I'd be done because it's like I told him. I I think World is a superior game uh, to Rise. That's just me. Uh, And he's kind of in agreement. The only thing that he likes better than World uh, is the... He likes the wire bugs, uh, the function and the the switch skills. Uh, He likes that. But he said other than that, he likes likes World better too. But uh, he has been having a lot of fun with Rise. So I said, well... I said, since you feel, since it's like you seem so disappointed in your uncle over my failure, <laughs> let me let me go back and get back into this game. But uh, that's really all, and I that, that's that's really all I've been doing this past week, man. So, all right, good deal. So we are going to move on to our main event. That's going to be the next topic on the docket. So usually Des does our main events, but see, since he is not feeling well this week, I will take over the main event duties. So our question for this episode was, what are the most interesting video game controversies, surprises now or in years past that resonated with you even today? I.e. Kojima leaving Konami, Microsoft buying Bethesda, Sega going third party, etc. Let us know, and we will talk about it on the next pod, which is this pod. So kicking off the responses, we've got uh, John BT from our Discord channel. For me, it will always be the courts ordering Tengen to stop making their superior version of Tetris on the NES, which had an awesome two-player mode. I never was able to buy a copy, but did rent it a few times. Yeah, any so, comments on that version of Tetris, Kev? I've never, I've never, I've played Tetris, but I've never owned a copy of it for myself. I yeah. think I wound up renting the NES, the, the the original NES Tetris, and I thought it was cool, but I didn't think it was something that I wanted to have in my library. I'm yeah, not that, that really. Yeah, that version of Tetris is actually was way superior to the NES version. In fact, that's the version that Tengen brought out a um that Tengen's basically Atari games and uh they um brought out the NES copy of that game. But Nintendo kinda went through the back roads with contract disputes and whatnot to grab the license out of uh, between 
Tengen's feet basically and sued their ass to <laughs> take it off the market. So Nintendo were some gangsters. I think every console <laughs> manufacturer has gone through their gangster period. Yeah. Uh, when it came to, to deals and securing content, but Nintendo were some straight up gangsters. Their 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 Nintendo seal of approval was highly overrated with a lot of the games. I mean, not I'm talking not talking about their first party, but that seal was on every game that came out for the for the NES. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Tenken, what they did is they reverse engineered the chip that and they were making their own carts and they got sued. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, um, Nintendo saw that this Tetris was like a phenomenon and so they went by back behind their back to talk with at the time Soviet Union like licensees <laughs> to grab the Tetris license back from behind their back basically because uh, the you'd have to go back. I know there was an article and or a book written about this where you know even though Tengen thought they had the license, mm-hmm. um, they didn't really officially have the license. So there's a lot of back and forth about that so mm-hmm. well wasn't there also a deal with nintendo locking down uh the license to even make to even manufacture cartridges carts that were compatible with the nes wasn't yeah, there no, some you... other companies involved in trying to get get their games onto the console but nintendo was playing you know hardball about giving them the ability to even manufacture the form factor for the for the carts or something like that no, actually, they had to go through Nintendo to manufacture the carts, and they were yeah. limited at during the the like um, fervor when the NES was out and was whatnot. A lot of companies were held to like publish only three or four games a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Konami came out with an Ultra uh, Ultra Games, like uh, like. Uh, insignia and basically it was them trying to get me up get out of the requirements of how many allocated cartridges they had from nintendo so they created a a shell company and another imprint to publish more games basically so i want to say that my nes copy of metal gear has ultra on it yeah, that's Konami, yeah, basically. That's it's, Konami. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it's almost like you have a record label, but you have like different insignias, like say Warner Warner Communications had both Atlantic and Electra mm-hmm. and all the different. But it was basically from the same company, you know, just different uh, sides of the company. So yeah, Ultra was a an insignia publishing thing that Konami did so they could publish more games. Uh, throughout the entirety of the year from Nintendo to <laughs> obtain a license to manufacture more games, basically. Mm-hmm. So, on there. But, but the thing about Tengen Tetris, though, it was just way better than, in my opinion, than the regular NES one. And I didn't play the game so much. I played the arcade game a lot, but my parents, both my mom and my dad, loved Tetris in the arcade, and so we had an NES at home, and both of them got super good at playing Tetris. So, wow! And it was their game. I mean, I'd go over um, even when I was living there. Mm-hmm. I, I was living at home till I was twenty-four, but they were playing that one version of Tetris like for like years and years afterwards. I go over and I see my dad throwing. 
uh, the game on on its highest level, on its highest speed, and he's sitting there like clearing from level 20 to get up to level like 25, 26. <laughs> and he'd clear all the garbage blocks out because he would start with the like uh, all the garbage blocks almost up to the top and clear the board, move on to 21. And he would keep it on, like on pause and like would watch TV and go back to it. And stuff, so. <laughs> And both him and my mom would play co-op too. They had a NES satellite hooked up to the, our like it was like a 25-inch like old school Zenith like tube TV. And it's I, God bless their souls. It's like I would go over there and watch TV. They turn the TV off, and I'd see the like the CRT burn of Tetris. <laughs> That's some burn in for you. There's some burning. Yeah, there's some burning for Tetris. You could actually see the board and like the score indicator in the middle of the TV while the TV was off. So, mm. so yeah, my parents, uh, you know, they helped support my hobby, but they played quite a bit of games too. My mom, you know, once I, I had their NES and I have their copy of, of Tetris somewhere here, you know, but at one point uh, they had like an NES satellite. They had it hooked up on the coffee table. They put batteries in it every so often. My dad, I'd have to go and try to secure like some decent NES pads because he would wear out his like NES pads. And so we were doing a little surgery on the D-pad to put new D-pads into his NES pads or trying to get like different pads and whatnot for it because, yeah, you'd wear it out playing that. And Dr. Mario was also my dad's like, you know, they'd play that game love or money and like they would master it just like they did tetris as well so (laughs) (laughs) you know for me it was uh my my dad was a gamer but he was he was a he was a closet gamer he didn't he didn't want anybody to know oh god so like the year that i got uh the nes for christmas he had um i had gone to school it was when we had returned back to uh to school I went to school and I either I either they either let us go a little bit early or I can't remember the specifics but when I got home he didn't he didn't hear me come in so I you know I I do my usual routine you know grab either a glass of OJ or some water from the fridge drink that got my backpack with me getting ready to to start my homework and I go into my room and my dad is sitting on on my bed with literally every game and every instruction manual in those games wide open controller in his hand uh staring at 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 because he didn't know I was in and I was looking at him for like a couple seconds before he noticed <laughs> me in the doorway and and, and he gets up uh, well, you never told me if any of these games worked, so I I, I need to make sure that these games work because you never told me. And uh, 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 I, yeah, I needed to know if I need to take these back to the store and get my get get money back. So you know, you were supposed <laughs> to tell me if these games worked, and he just st- stormed out of the room as if he got caught with his hands in the cookie jar. And I, I was just like, that image that image will always stick in my mind. Of, of I mean, literally, he had. I, I got a. My parents bought me a crap ton of games when uh, that year that that system came out. Every game that that they picked up for me that year, the boxes were open, the instruction manuals were all willy nilly on my bed, the carts were all willy nilly on my bed, 
And I want to say he had my my memory wants to tell me that he had golf NES golf in in <laughs> that he was playing that when I walked in, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But yeah, no, yeah. no shame with my parents, man. <laughs> they take us. They take us to the arcade, and my my parents would play Pac Man together. They'd play Centipede together, and they would play whatever. You know, I'd play games with my mom. Uh, we would play like uh, Sega Master System Monopoly all the time, and whether they're games, uh, the Vegas games, and that kind of thing. So, well, yeah, dude, my mom, when he took me to to Video Pinball, he would play when Zaxxon came out. That was his that was his deal. That was the one. That was the game that he was on. He would play Zaxxon, and and that's actually how I was able to to get my parents to buy me a ColecoVision because they had they had Zaxxon as one of the games that was available. So yeah, yeah. No, gaming was part of our our thing when uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred Pac Man came out. We all played. So mm-hmm. even even my dad. So yeah. Now my mom, uh, she still has the house record. For there was this Intellivision game called uh, Sharp Shot, and it was like a compilation of several like they were like stripped down versions of the full Intellivision games. Like there was a football pass thing, there was a sea battle, uh, and there was a Dungeons and Dragons that was like you know these quick little mini games, and then there was also one for auto racing. And my mom had the house record for the sea battle. And that was like this this submarine would go back and forth across the bottom of the screen. You had no control of the sub. But what you were doing is you had to shoot the ships that were coming around this uh, peninsula. And my mom sunk 52 ships. And neither my neither me or my dad could beat her record. So they, she she has the household record for the sea battle in Sharp Shot to this day. I mean, uh, one of the Intellivision um, one of the Intellivision retro consoles has that on it. I can't remember. I, I have I bought it for, and I remember when uh, that was the reason I bought it for her for Christmas one year, and uh, I plugged it into. Uh, because at the time she still had a tube TV in her back room and I plugged that in and we played that and it just brought back a whole bunch of memories of, of us all playing that game. We, we used to play that game, all three of us for hours. That was like the only game that, that I can remember my dad actively playing outside of, uh, you know, all of us as a group. But uh, outside of his his secret uh, Nintendo addiction that I discovered he had coming home from from school early that day, but you know maybe this will be a good main event for like uh, future episodes for his um, memories of uh, gaming with parents or you know growing up that kind of thing. Yeah, might be a good thing. So. Um, if you have any reactions, anyone out there listening to this, uh, definitely let us know. Send it, send them in, and we'll read them on the show as part of a vessel line or whatnot. So, okay, indeed, indeed. So, and our next uh, our our next response we got from a co-host Des, and his response was Microsoft buying Bethesda. The country, the controversy is them trying to force me to plug in and turn on my Xbox. So, so shameful. So shameful. Do you have a Do you have a response to the shade thrown by our co-host in that regard? 
<laughs> I don't know. I was trying to get him because I know even when he moved, he's moved quite a bit of time ago. And um, he has not he has not turned on his Xbox at all. In fact, I even offered to put my account on his system so he can enjoy Games Pass, and he doesn't even want to bother. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I was trying to get him uh, to sell his uh, Xbox One S over the weekend because uh, GameStop was giving 150 bucks for it. So, but. <laughs> We'll we'll see when Bethesda's big bangers come out. What what Desmond will do, we'll see. So you know, he has a PC now, so maybe he'll just game on the PC. You never know. So, yep that that might be the case. Um, I am sans an Xbox right now. I have uh, I traded in my One X some time ago. I, I think there was a deal or something going on at that. I can't remember. Yeah. But uh, I have enough. Uh, GameStop credit to get a Series X, so I'm just waiting until I'm just waiting until they're you know they're either online or in store, you know, whenever <laughs> whenever the opportunity presents itself. Uh, I I see them come online, but so they mainly pimp their bundles, and I wouldn't want to buy. Yeah, I'm I'm not. Buying a, <laughs> I refuse to buy a, a, one of their overpriced bundles. I'm I'm not, you know. Hey, get the system and two an additional an extra controller, three games you have no interest in playing for seven hundred and eighty dollars. No, thank you. <laughs> no, no, not going to do that. It's like I, I'll buy the core system with my store credit when it's when I'm able to do so. You know, I'm not going to trip on it too much. So, gotcha. All right, you have any controversies or surprises? I know I have uh, a couple. So. <laughs> I've got one and it's kind of a deep it's a deep cutter it's a deep cut it's not one that was really talked about that I can recall in the gaming gaming press but it ha- it is one that has been discussed uh later in interviews but from programmers from that era and I'm talk what I'm talking about is the purposeful D downgrade in quality in games from manu- gaming manufacturers that also put out a console. And case in point is Donkey Kong by Coleco because Coleco put out their own their own console back in the day. It's called the Coleco Vision. I have one still. It's as brand looks as brand new as the day as the day it was made at the factory. I'm I'm, I'm real proud of that. Also got the Turbo Wheel, which is also probably my favorite peripheral ever but ColecoVision also Coleco also made games for other consoles before I got a ColecoVision because the, the console was already out and the you the game the console came with Donkey Kong and that version of Donkey Kong was the closest you were going to get to the arcade at that time it was really darn close to to the arcade original, but they made they also put that game out. I want, they put it out for the twenty six hundred and the Intellivision. So before I got Donkey Kong on ColecoVision, I got the Donkey Kong for Intellivision, and that game was absolute garbage. I mean, 
the the monkey didn't even the monkey only animated on one screen and when i say animated it's like he lifted one foot put it down and he i want to say he lifted like the same foot a couple of times during the course he didn't throw barrels he didn't actually throw the barrels he didn't he didn't do anything he just stood there and on and the only other level that you got was the one where you have to run over the rivets uh, to complete the level to make Donkey Kong fall and, and then the girders fall, then he falls out. He does not move at all. He is just, he is the same color as the girders. Everything is just like this, uni, this unicolor blue. It was blue. Mario himself just looked like a roving block, barely identifiable as a human being, <laughs> to be perfectly frank. And <laughs> He would, you there was, the music was, it was just ridiculous. I mean, it was so poor quality that it's like th there was no way, no way that, that Coleco couldn't do any better. Now, what, now would in the Intellivision version of Donkey Kong look as good as the ColecoVision? No, because the ColecoVision was a more powerful system, but they could have done much better. The reason I know they could have done much better is because you can now, and it's been out for, I want to say it's been out for close to three or four years, maybe even five years, you can get Donkey Kong on the Intellivision through, um, uh, oh gosh, what they call that, uh, uh, homebrew. Uh, you can get, you can get a cartridge, you can buy these homebrew cartridge, you can download the ROM, and you can put it on the cart. And the last time I went to a retro uh, convention, which is now, yeah, it, it was it's a, quite a few, you know, maybe about several years ago now. They had that. It was that they had that Mario. I mean, um, Donkey Kong running, and again, not doing any that no modifications to the Intellivision console whatsoever using the same code that was available back then, they did a homebrew that was 10 times better than what Khalid, the trash that Coleco threw out. So there oh. was definitely, there, in my opinion, and, and after watching uh, programmers talk back in the day, there was definitely some purposeful... Uh, there was some downgrades done depending on who had the license, who had what 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 platform holder had the better had the key role. Because uh, I can remember sitting in on uh, some guys that were from Imagic and they were talking, and there was there was an attempt to force parity on the the version of Atlantis on the twenty six hundred and the Intellivision. And I want to say that the Atari was vouching, was trying to get there to be parody. And a magic said, no, we're not going to do that. And they, that was kind of sort of the thing for the day. Because if you ever played the 2600 of Atlantis and the Intellivision version of Atlantis, the Intellivision version is almost a different game. It is far superior than the 2600 version. So... I think a lot of that stuff went on and some of those uh, programmers now that they've, you know, long since retired 
and when they were on the circuit, they're free to talk about some of those things that went on uh, behind the scenes. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to comment because, I, uh, at least for me, uh, I bought Donkey Kong for the 2600, and my dad got it for me from Montgomery Wards, and I played that thing just like the Intellivision port. It was crap. Yeah. It was <laughs> other... And my thing is, I wanted to play Donkey Kong. I wanted to play Donkey Kong so bad that as soon as I saw that the ColecoVision had that 2600 module that you could play your 2600 games with, <laughs> I talked my parents into returning the 2600 back to Sears because he still, my dad still kept the box, uh, God bless his soul. And uh, my dad was always up to <laughs> return uh, an item years afterwards to try to get most or all the monetary value back and so mm -hmm. we wound up returning the 2600 got like the uh, full retail value for it mm -hmm. even though i owned it for like a good like two years and uh <laughs> went ahead and grabbed the ColecoVision, and i did get the 2600 module so i was able to play my 2600 games as well mm -hmm. so yeah, I actually played a, a decent version of uh, Donkey Kong once I got yeah. the ColecoVision. Plus Zaxxon, plus Mousetrap, plus Venture, plus everything else that yep. the ColecoVision offered at that time. Subrock. So. Subrock. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. you talk about that Sega arcade game, the mm -hmm. port? Mm -hmm. Yep, you know it, man. <laughs> Turbo, Turbo Wheel. I guess I was spoiled. I don't know. You could probably say we're both spoiled, right, Kev? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I use the, the cocaine slash... Uh, drug uh panic to my advantage because that was the reason why my parents kept me playing games they said we just don't want you to do drugs and that that was their response that that's how they responded and i i took full advantage of that i i i fully admit <laughs> so, but yeah so uh for next week we do have a main event question this was inspired by one of our listeners, John BT. Well, let's go back, oh, Kev. Oh, I wasn't able to talk my controversies. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. I'm sorry. I'm, my bad. <laughs> it's only two of us. I'm losing track. So please, definitely go ahead and mention your controversy, my friend. Okay. Do, do, do controversy. I know Desmond will appreciate that. <laughs> I can't sing that word crap. But, uh, I don't know if they're controversies, just things that kind of stood out to me. You know, like surprises, I would guess. Uh, first one for me had to do with, I don't know if you remember this, Kev, or not, but this is when Capcom came out with a press conference and um, announced what came to be as the Capcom 5. I don't know if you remember this or not, Kev. I do not. I do but not. this is, remember when uh, GameCube was kind of just not doing so hot and they wanted to lift up the Japanese developed games and whatnot. So at, at that point, Capcom had a press conference and announced five separate games that they're going to bring out, and they're only going to come out in the GameCube and the GameCube only on there. So they announced PNO3, which was a third-person shooter, Beautiful Joe, Dead Phoenix, Resident Evil 4 on there, and um, I believe also Killer7 was announced. 
mm-hmm. as well. And so these are the what became known as the Capcom Five, and these were going to be GameCube exclusives. That's when also Capcom came out and they did the Resident Evil like remake, and um, it only came out for the GameCube, and they mm-hmm. were bringing out all the. Resident Evil games on there. In fact, they weren't going to bring it out for PlayStation and all, and so they basically decided <laughs> to um, put the, put all their money down on the GameCube and with Nintendo at that point in time. So I guess I don't know if they had a riff with PlayStation, but to me that kind of stood out to me. It's like, oh, it was like a big surprise to me at least on there. So I'm like, I... definitely. Dead Phoenix yeah. wound up getting canceled, but the other games like Resident Evil 4, when it was released, was a GameCube, GameCube exclusive, exclusive for, yeah. for a while, yeah, until they decided to port it over to the PS2 afterwards. So, and same thing with Beautiful Joe. So, yep. A lot of people, that, I think a lot of people were convinced to get a GameCube when, when those games came out. Um, I, for me, the reason I had a GameCube was uh, Rogue Squadron. That was the reason I wanted a GameCube, and it's the reason why I bought one. Uh, back in the day, I didn't have the I didn't have the funds to actually collect systems. I had to take the old ones, the last ones, back to get the new hotness. So uh, I traded in my Super Nintendo, and I still regret doing that. I, I really wish I would have kept my SNES, but I traded in my Super Nintendo. And a huge chunk of my uh, accumulated games to get the GameCube and Rogue Squadron. And I I played Rogue Squadron for hours upon end. And uh, to me, I wouldn't really call that a controversy, though. No, to me, uh, that, to me that's it's like... A, it's uh, a surprise. Yeah. It was just a surprise to me. that they Yeah. Were the... That's how I want my consoles to be. You know, I want them to be actively competing to differentiate themselves. And if that means striking up a deal with a third-party publisher to get their games exclusively on your plat on that platform, I mean that's that's the kind of thing that I that I grew up in that that we saw. You know, in, in television was where you went for your sports games, and you know like some some better graphics, slightly better graphics. The 2600 just had this this volume this voluminous library of games that that for anybody's for any for any taste, right? And then ColecoVision was like bring the arcade home. And you know, for uh, for me it was like, oh man, graphics don't get any better than they do in the arcade. And you know, I, I got the Zaxxon and Donkey Kong and Subrock and all this. St- you know, man, that's why I gotta have a ColecoVision because I want to bring the arcade home. You know, I fell hook, line, and sinker for those marketing <laughs> for that marketing. But I mean, that's what to me, that's what consoles are about: is differentiating, differentiating themselves amongst those that are in the field at that time. To make them to make them desirable for you to get, and you know, I I I see that as a boon for the GameCube. Yeah, it was. I didn't, didn't. You gotta consider the time that this whole thing came about because uh, this is when the Dreamcast died, and obviously mm-hmm. there was only um, obviously PS Two. Uh, GameCube and uh, Xbox and for whatever reason they just decided that they wanted to support a Japanese company Nintendo 
And so they decided that uh, these five games were going to come out for the GameCube and they were going to be exclusive. And so a lot of people were like raised an eyebrow because of the fact that Resident Evil, once a PlayStation, PlayStation like, yeah. Yeah, standby, uh, was going to become GameCube exclusive. Obviously, <laughs> out of the five games, um, four, uh, three of them went over to the PlayStation. Dead Phoenix wound up getting canceled altogether. It never came out, but uh, Piano 3 was the only game that stayed exclusive on the GameCube. Mm. On their uh, Killer7, Resident Evil 4, and uh, also, what was the other game? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Beautiful Joe. Beautiful Joe, yeah, there Mm. you go. Yeah, eventually came over to the um, PlayStation. PlayStation, yeah. Yeah. Back, yeah. I had both versions of Beautiful Joe. Well, I think the Beautiful Joe on PS2 had Dante. Mm -hmm. So so I think that's what inspired me to purchase it again. So just because it got ported over on there. So Um, my other one that I was going to mention, too, um, had to do with the surprise controversy of the Sega Saturn being released early. So I don't know if you remember the first E3 back in 1994, but... Sega uh, got their lunch handed to them because they decided, because of whatever they decided at the time, they decided to surprise release the Saturn at E3. And they announced that it was available at only a few retailers on there. So they really just alienated everyone else that all their other partners like Toys R Us and KB Toys and whatnot, because you could only get the system at software, et cetera. And I think there might've been one other retailer and they brought it out for three ninety nine on there. And, uh, you know, unfortunately during the E3 week on there, this happened to be where the surprise announcement came prior to, Sony announcing the price for the PlayStation and they, uh, the Sony executive just came up to the podium at an E3 presser, just said two ninety nine and dropped the mic and walked <laughs> off the podium after they announced <laughs> the fact that the Saturn was going to launch at three ninety nine. So, <sighs> and so, yeah, Sega kind of just went wound up like, not doing so well. The Saturn eventually came out in September of 1995 and, uh, you know, didn't do so hot retail. For me, it was crazy for me because I think I've told this story on the show one other time, but uh, I didn't hear it because back then E3 wasn't something where I didn't have any internet. I didn't know what's going on, you know, so, but I got a call from software, et cetera, saying, hey, come on down. You could come by the Saturn. We have the Saturn. <laughs> it's like I already <laughs> had a pre-order for it, and I was ready to buy it. But um, I had to make sure I had, one, a, a credit card with enough credit on it because of the fact that I was planning on saving all throughout the summer to buy the game and launch games, and I wound up just <laughs> charging it all on a credit card. I wound up picking up Panzer Dragoon, and uh, Daytona USA, along with the packing game, which was Virtua Fighter. And that whole summer that I had... That's an excellent know, lineup, by the way. That's yeah. an excellent lineup. I, I was in bliss. And by the time the PlayStation came out, I was not impressed with the PlayStation all at launch. You know, it was okay, but... 
Uh, Ridge Racer was great. I think when I bought the PS1, I bought Rayman at launch and Toshinden. I took Toshinden back at Software Etc. because at the time you could return games. You could return games on op- uh, opened uh, up to like 30 days and still get your money back, you know, because mm-hmm. I remember working at Software Etc. All we did was went to the shrink wrap machine in the back and shrink it back up and sell it as new. So that's all we did. <laughs> And there was no controversy for that at that time, you know, mm-hmm. so I didn't go in and like say if it was a cartridge, <laughs> make sure that the memory was or like the saved games were deleted off the system before wrapping it back up. It's just mm-hmm. something that you had to know uh, that there was a possibility you might get a shrink rack game as new at software, et cetera, for whatever reason, but I definitely took advantage of that uh, policy to, you know, try out a game or two and, and return them per se. But that was the other big controversy for me, at least the, the like mic drop kind of moments at E3 when I found out later. But having the ability to be able to go in and play um, the system like months early, it was just, just shocking to me. So mm. Mm. Could you imagine? It's hard to imagine a company doing that in today's world, particularly. Oh, you know, no. <laughs> they would be just lambasted. I mean, I guess they were trying to do something different or unique, yeah. but it just it 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 just backfired completely when you cut off when you limit access to that to your product by just going with a couple of different retailers. It's out. And, I, and I'm assuming none of them was Walmart at the time. No, not at all. Not like another key issue. So, I think wow. it might have. I think it might have just been KB and Software, if I re- remember properly. And so I know Toys R Us was probably appropriately pissed off. I believe mm-hmm. for I remember about it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, because like you know, you, th- you think these other retailers are going to give a crap about you after you gave you their. <laughs> Uh, nope. competitors a leg up on this uh, pre-launch, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, but there was like a nice, after that launch, and it was like in late May, that there was like no games for the summer above and beyond the the three that I picked up. I know that the first game that I picked up after that initial launch was Astel, if you remember Astel. Oh, Astel was awesome. Yeah, it came that out, I believe, in like game. August, September of that year. And so, and I, I, I still hold the Saturn up equal to the PlayStation. And oh, gosh. The Saturn is still my favorite console ever. Yeah. For me. But it, 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 it's, I didn't, I didn't get into it until well after its life cycle had ended. And maybe even towards the end of the Dreamcast life cycle, at least here in the States. Uh, because I picked it up back when uh, we had that local game store that would do those summer that's the summer sales, either the summer or fall sale. I can't remember if it was summer or fall. You talk about BRE or BRE software, BRE yeah. software, and it was, in fact I want, I want to say it was me, you, and Fred, and maybe Damon went with with, with us too uh, to one of those BREs, and that's when I picked up a Saturn for a song and a dance. 
Uh, and then uh, through, through hanging out and playing games over at your house, I discovered this wonderful world of Japanese imports and all these fantastic games that never saw the light of day <laughs> in the States. And it's like, oh, man, I wish... It, I don't know if many of those games would have picked up here in America, but man, there were some of the best gaming experiences even that still hold up even to this day. I mean, I'm not a bullet hell player. I'm not a bullet hell. I mean, I'll play them. I'll, I'll play one every blue moon, but radiant silver gun and Ikaruga were absolutely amazing. Absolutely fantastic uh, top-down 2D shooters, bullet hells. I'm, oh, man. And, I'll, and don't even get me started on the fighting games that were available on the Saturn. You know, that was when that was when fighting games was my favorite genre, that heyday, uh, particularly as someone who missed out on the Neo Geo being able to get uh, many of those games that I loved on the Neo Geo platform imported onto the Saturn, particularly once that, that Ram cart uh, peripheral became available and you were getting the same experience at a much lower price, even, you know, paying that, that import premium on these discs that played these games that I fell in love with in the arcade. I mean, it was just, you know, the Saturn, Saturn, will will always hold a special a very special place in in my heart i i, I repurchased the system is somewhere somewhere around here i don't even know where my saturn is i know i bought another one you bought uh, one from uh, bre before they went out of business right actually i this would be my third because my first one the the toggle burned out that oh, i sent gotcha. out that i sent out i i sent it to ncs to be modified so the toggle burned out, and I bought another one. And by the time I got that second one, the RAM cart, there was the universal RAM cart had come out. So I bought one of those, and but and that's one of the reasons why I still I'm still bitter about giving away my my collection is that like Marvel superheroes, um, those the street for those uh, Street Fighter two. Uh, I mean, Street Fighter Alpha 2, rather. I mean, all those fighting games that came with the RAM, that were offered with the RAM cart, I still bought them with the RAM cart. You know, in box. You know, fight uh, like Fatal, all the Fatal Fury games, I had those. You know, they're Waka worth Waka the pretty, 7. Yeah, uh, they're worth a pretty penny now, too. Oh, so. man, yeah, yeah. So, all those I, games. I sold a lot of mine. I, um, unfortunately, I think I was using it, even though I bought a ton of it. I pretty much because of what happened with the Saturn, and I think you know people like listener John BT could attest. I <laughs> went whole hog and went into like thousands and thousands of dollars of credit card debt, like just purchasing games up the yay yay, and uh, wound up uh, deciding to cut off my credit cards cold turkey and i was selling a lot of my old stuff uh to buy new games and so i was selling stuff like you know panzer dragoon saga for the saturn i wound mm. up selling online for a few hundred dollars mm -hmm. on there i had a saturn import called psychic um, killer Terramaru that was super rare i think they only made like five thousand or ten thousand 
at the most on there and uh, sold that. And I was happy to sell it at the time for the price I sold it for. But, you know, I wish I still had that game because that game was awesome. And now I look at the price of it and it's, ay, ay, ay. That's all mm-hmm. I can say about that. Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. yeah. So. Same here. Same here. The idea of me, you know, rekindling that, that Saturn collection is not, that is not a financial, uh, adventure i want to undertake (laughs) nowadays kev i don't know if you realize but they sell um things to where uh, you could put um roms on a flash drive and just connect it to your saturn that way so so yeah there there yeah there is ways now you could basically just forgo using physical media for the saturn and so it's there for people that uh for whatever reason they're um eye on the laser on the cd drive just burns out eventually and so they're given ability to be able to load it from a memory card now Mm -hmm. and so there's people out there basically uh for whatever reason if you don't want to go out there and and purchase a physical game for each (laughs) you know why why pay the markup if need be but yeah so there's so there's definitely ways that you could get every game on the saturn and go into that so maybe we'll have to talk about that more (laughs) off the air yeah yeah Yeah, i mean yeah i first i gotta find because the third saturn i bought was at uh the retro one of the retro console gaming expos uh that was in las vegas that uh, me and me and my wife went to uh, God bless her heart, because I knew she could not care less about that, and she went with me anyway. Uh, and I picked up a Saturn from one of the local uh, mom and pop retro stores there in there in uh, Las Vegas. So it's here, it's here at my house somewhere. I, I just don't can't remember where I put it. It's probably in that side closet somewhere. But but yeah, so. Yeah, I'm looking at complete prices for some of these games now on Saturn, at least on the U.S. side. Mm. Panzer Dragon Saga and and Complete, which I had, is now going for (sighs) $1,181. I had that. I had that. Man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But I'm I'm not in this hobby for to play the stock market i'm here i know but it's i mean it's it's like you know finding out that all all those star wars toys that you played with as a kid if you still had them you'd be able to retire you know if they were i mean they'd have to be in in mint condition but it's kind of like that (laughs) mine were in mint condition so yeah burning rangers is 553 bucks oh u.s the u.s version U.S. version, yes. I had that. Me too. Sure did. Yep. Sure no. did. <laughs> you go down the line, Marvel superheroes, uh, like complete, like two hundred seventy-five bucks. So. No, I had the import of that with the RAM card. I did not have the U.S. version of Marvel superheroes. I had the yeah. Japanese with the RAM card, but. Mm. But yeah, Children of the Atom had that. The U.S. version of that. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it no more. No mas. Making me depressed. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our main event. So, what's our main event for next week? Okay. So, we... next week, uh, this was inspired by one of our listeners, John BT. So, special shout out to you, sir, for uh, 
for suggesting this. So our question, what are the top three, what is your all-time top three in your favorite genre of video games? So whatever your favorite genre is, whether it's sports, uh, action, racing, sim racers, arcade racers, fighting games, whatever your favorite genre of game is, we know we want to know what you consider the top three in in that genre. So if it's RPGs, you know, is it Final Fantasy VII? Is that in your top three, or is it something it's something else that maybe not everyone has heard of? We just want to know what your individual top threes are for your favorite genre of video game. So that's going to be our main event for next week's show. So at going going moving on with uh, with our episode, our next topic on our docket is going to be the news. So Trader Joe, you got the mic, my friend. What's going on? Okay, we're going to talk about quite a few things. I'll talk about some game announcements here real quick. And one's going to kind of tie into our discussion about the Sega Saturn. So um, City Connection, a company in Japan, has announced that they are releasing a collection of three games, it looks like here. Uh, It's going to be Magical Night, Cotton 2, Magical Night Dreams, Cotton Boomerang, and then Guardian Force. All three Saturn games, shooters on there, is going to be coming out on September 30th in Japan in both standard and special editions. So it's coming out for the Switch and also for the PS4 on there. So the collection includes Cotton 2, uh, Cotton Boomerang, and Guardian Force. All these were released for Arcade and Sega Saturn, but uh, as the title Saturn Tribute implies, these are all based on the Sega Saturn versions of those games on there. I own Cotton 2. I've owned Cotton Boomerang. I have Guardian Force <laughs> somewhere. I have like a, a don't tell anyone, an HK of Guardian Force. A burr. <laughs> so, I wish dun, I bought dun, the dun, original dun. when it came out because it's worth quite a bit of money, but mm. it's still an excellent game. You know, mm. It's like anything I could do to play more as much games as possible back in the day. But uh, yeah, they're going to add some uh, quality of life features, including a function to use rapid fire, a standard ability to be able to rewind the past cutscenes, quick save and load online rankings and more and I'm definitely going to keep an eye on this collection because anything I can get back to the old school shooting games from back in the day on there Um, and I think Cotton 2 is an excellent game, Guardian Force is excellent uh, top down scroll, uh, shoot 'em up on there it's not per se a bullet hell shoot them up it's more just old school top down like if you're going to play something like ray force if you know what i'm talking about kev or um god i'm trying to remember the well raiden might be a bullet hell no ray raiden's not really a bullet hell no i don't know Uh, i'm trying to think of the other uh game that came prior to ray force that was on the saturn i think it was like guardian force that uh acclaim released it here but is that same taito game on there but uh yeah i'm just looking forward to like checking these out i'm gonna definitely uh, see when if i can order this through amazon japan to see if i can get this day one mm-hmm. on so but we'll see i know pre-orders are going to open up on april 27th 
on there and they're going to be considering additional platforms above and beyond playstation 4 and switch so we'll see mm -hmm. i think pc would be a good way steam would be a good place for these as well and maybe the xbox as well for anyone that wants to check those out so yeah i never played any of the cotton games i'd seen them i'd heard i've definitely heard of it before but i never played any of them uh that was one. That was one of the the shmups that uh, by that that I bypassed, or for whatever reason, uh, when I well, had when I had the Saturn. They never came out in the U.S. They only were Japan only. So. Oh yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Because like most most of the games that I had for Saturn were 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 imports. Yeah, uh, like yeah. Cotton One was and Cotton Two. You basically played as a witch and you flew on a broom and you flew from left to right and. Mm -hmm. You know, you sh shoot them up. You sh basically, it was a side-scrolling shmup mm -hmm. on here. So Guardian Force is like your standard, like, you know, space shooter, like top-down, going from the bottom up to the top, basically. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was quite excellent from what people have, have considered. So it's kind of similar to uh, a cave shooter, if need be, something like mm -hmm. that, where you're like a Raiden on there, so... And uh, since we're talking about old school arcade games, um, Capcom has finally announced a release date for Capcom Arcade Stadium for both the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So it's going to be launching on all three of those platforms on May 25th. And so, I, you know, back when this was originally announced, I was saying, I don't know if I really want to buy this on the Switch. <laughs> so mm -hmm. there's nothing technically saying I I can't play this on the Switch, but I just would probably have preferred to play it on the these other consoles just for, you know, trophies or, you know, achievements if need be on there. So it's all the same games that are on the Capcom Arcade Stadium on the Switch. So you got certain games in packs. So you could buy individual packs for $14.99 each. Um, they have one pack that has... 1942 uh, Legendary Wings, Buying a Commando, Forgotten Worlds, and Ghouls and Ghosts as part of the package. Uh, they have a pack two, which includes games like Strider, Dynasty Wars, Final Fight, um, Carrier Air Wing, which was the sequel to UN Squadron, Street Fighter II, World Warrior, Captain Commando, and Barth Operation Thunderstorm, which is another like game that's played similar to UN Squadron in there in pack two. Or Pack 3 with a lot of bangers, Warriors of Fate, Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting, Street, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, uh, Cyberbots, which is a game that I only played on the Saturn back in the day, um, 19XX, which was like the last game in the, in the 1943 series on there, so it's a top-down shooter, Giga Wing on there, 1944, and so there's like... Games like that included. So those are all $14.99 each, or you could buy all three packs bundled together for $39.99. So, so uh, definitely, I will probably be buying the package deal. <laughs> I'd probably be buying the package deal as well. So, yep. And that was not the only thing that Capcom um, announced. They also announced that they're bringing forth a couple of Ace Attorney games that got left in Japan. Um, there was like a couple of 3DS Ace Attorney games called The Great Ace Attorney, which basically took 
the whole Phoenix Wright uh, storyline and put it in feudal Japan, meaning in the uh, early 1900s on here. And so they kind of created the same characters in, in early 1900s Japan on here. And they released both games uh, in Japan for the 3DS and it never got announced for North America previously. Mm -hmm. So they finally decided to bring both of these games out as the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles on there so that's going to be coming out for ps4 switch and pc it's going to launch digitally uh july 27th it's coming out in the west uh for 39.99 on there it's coming out digitally for ps4 and pc there's actually going to be a physical version of the switch version of this game being released in the u.s uh unfortunately the ps4 version is only going to be physically released in japan on there so but uh yeah it's a whole collection of these both of these games on here and uh basically talks about an, an ancestor of phoenix Wright on here so, <laughs> so they're going back in time to the late 19th century during japan's miji period and london's victorian era and has a more zany court shenanigans in the turn of the century in the late 18th 1800s beginning 1900s in fact they have a appearance from uh oh uh, the quirky ace detective herlock sholmes <laughs> oh god so obviously to uh, avoid my... paying for that license huh you got it yeah so so part of the thing is conducting crime scene investigations. Players will team up with Herlock Sholmes <laughs> and deduct mistakes in the detective's overboard logic to uncover new facts. So, Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> so I'm just grateful these games are actually getting released in the West and in English. They have English voice actors featured and whatnot. So. So um, if you're interested, I, I did pick up the PS4 physical. I went to Amazon Japan and pre-ordered it there. So I'm having to pay about the same price as I would digitally for it, but add on between $18 in shipping costs. But, <laughs> hey, I have a physical, so that's what counts, right? So, mm. But Capcom is still, still keeping it. Uh, this was kind of something that was leaked as part of the um when they were held cyber hostage that mm -hmm. everything that was in that document is come to pass and this was one of the things that was listed in that document so so is this something on your radar kev or you might check out no i yeah. i've never been i've never been the ace attorney games never really appealed to me uh i tell you who does like them is my niece my little niece, she loves, she likes the Ace Attorneys. Oh, you might want to check it out. It's coming out for Switch Physical, so I know Best Buy put a listing up, but they haven't uh, busted that out yet. It's still coming soon on their website, but uh, still, it's it's good support from Capcom, and they've, mm -hmm. they've had good support so far this year. I can't wait for the what we talked about last episode with that Ghouls and Ghosts or Ghost and Goblins Resurrection to finally come out. So, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, they've been hitting it. They've been hitting it this year. Yeah. 
Now, there was a couple other release date announcements, and so we'll talk about those briefly. So Namco finally has a date for Tales of Arise, the next game in the Tales series. So that game is going to be out on September 10th worldwide, and so they are bringing it out for PS5, Xbox Series consoles, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So every platform is supported on launch on there. So And... Um, Basically, you're able to pre-order it now, both uh, physically and digitally across all platforms on there. So, got to see a little bit more. And it's just—it's uh, been a while since the Tales games actually come out, and so this is a new milestone for the franchise. They said um, they have a new artistic direction on there. They're using Unreal Engine 4 on this bad boy on there so a lot to see about the gameplay and whatnot there's like a male and female protagonist to the game and uh you know it looks like they just did everything right i just love the fact that nowadays like everything's coming out day and date worldwide on these games versus having to wait for the japanese release to get translated into english for an entire year i think they're just making everyone wait until Mm. they're getting every language known to man and getting it out on there so that kind of kind of tells you where maybe the Japanese game market might be as far as the whole thing that they're not releasing these quote unquote big budget games for the Japanese market until they're ready to release worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I'm really curious to check this out. I know between that and Scarlet Nexus, which is coming out in June, that the games that Namco Bandai re- announced last year uh, both have release dates now on there so and uh, it's, it's something to where i know i've always dabbled in tells games but uh, this one looks particularly interesting i'll have to take a look to see uh, if this is something i'm gonna buy day one they are going to support dual sense haptic feedback on the ps5 on there um there is a free upgrade if you buy the ps4 xbox one versions to upgrade to the ps5 and series versions uh, they have both performance modes in the built into the game 60 frames per second and if you want to play in 4k uh, as well you could you know select in the menu for that so okay. uh, have you ever gotten to a tales game or is that something where you've dabbled in them i've dabbled i i'm trying to remember which one i was dabbling in and i was enjoying it um there were two, and I honestly can't remember remember which ones they were. I know there was one. Tales of Bracera, I think, is the is the last one where you were that girl who was trying to avenge the death of either her brother or yeah, I played her that. friend. Yeah, that was one. I played a little bit of that. Then there was one, a two other Tales games that I that I dabbled in. I never finished any of them. And I enjoyed what I played, but I always wind up getting sidetracked by other stuff and I never go back to it. And that's the problem with what to me with with some of these Tales games is that I think that they're good. But if if another bright and shiny comes out, it's going to take my attention away. And then by the time I'm ready to go back, I feel I have to start over because I've forgotten where I am in the story. Yeah, <laughs> because you gotta, so you gotta be very digital. And I mean, even myself, yeah. I've I've played so many games in the past, but it's like I kind of lost the plot <laughs> after a mm-hmm. while. 
mm-hmm. on there. So uh, it's something I don't even know if I'm going to buy this day one because of the fact that I have other Tales games to go back and play uh, and be able to check out. But, you know, I'm definitely keeping an interest in it, you know, and if it looks, uh, you know, because the Tales game, they don't, it's just like Final Fantasy. It doesn't keep the same plot from game to game to game. Mm-hmm. Each game, it's in of itself by itself, its own game. And so, you know, if I really wanted to commit to it, I would just buy it day and date and just play it and then mm-hmm. go back to the other games in the series, you know, since I have them in my back backlog, if need be. So, mm-hmm. all right. And another game got a, a surprise announcement. So, Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis will be launching worldwide in June. Sega has announced it will be available for Xbox One and PC via Steam, Epic Game Store, and Microsoft Store in the West, and also in Japan. They are releasing it for the PlayStation 4 and the Switch via cloud in Japan as well on there. So, and uh, kind of surprised that they're releasing it so early. Uh, there is a closed beta that is available through the uh, Xbox app there's like i think a uh, like a, where you go sign up for xbox betas and whatnot that i already went ahead and signed up the, for the beta that will be coming out in mid may on there so uh but uh they are getting this game out this game is gonna definitely it, it's gonna kind of run concurrently with the regular fantasy star online too uh, but they're looking to improve a lot of the UI elements of it. They're adding open world elements to it. You're able to bring some of your characters over from PSO2 to PSO2 New Genesis on there. And so I can't wait because I don't like I was talking about, I think last episode, I don't want to have to go through seasons and seasons of content of, of Fantasy Star Online 2. Uh, the menu. Uh, options in that game are just really borked in my opinion <laughs> and this is coming from it took took me a couple of weeks to even figure out what the hell i was doing and i know kev you just gave up right oh yeah <laughs> I, yeah brother ain't got the time i i, I am not an in that mmo dude and the game the, the gameplay itself in itself by itself was great in my opinion so mm. But all, all the extra layers on top, the MMO-ness of, of Fantasy Star Online 2 is just too much. And so I'm looking for this to be on my kind of jumping on point with this game. I don't know if you're willing to give this game a shot or not, Kev, once it comes out. I would as long as they've as long as those MMO menus are gone. Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, those MMO they... menus gotta be gotta go. Yeah. We'll have to definitely check out and see if they made a lot of this more streamlined on there. Because uh, I know Microsoft's probably helping out with the translation. They do have uh, English voice actors in the game, too, as well. I know that's part of the whole thing where they're talking about and as far as uh, the whole launch of the game. So I'll definitely keep an eye on this. I'm going to be in the beta, so I'll definitely take a look at it and see how well it is implemented and we'll probably be talking about. I know Desmond stated that he's looking for this to be his jumping on point for the game as well. So where are you going to play it? Uh, probably Xbox more than likely. So, but it's on both Xbox windows store and steam. So, I mean, it's available 
pretty much those places. I kind of wish it wasn't uh, kind of held to those platforms. It's also going to be on Epic as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like there's going to be any sort of PlayStation or Switch release for the game, at least in the West as of yet. So, you know, as much as uh, Xbox fans like to talk about, you know, that we don't believe in... <laughs> holding games hostage on platforms and you know phil spencer coming back i think what nine months ago stating as such on there that you know the shoes on the other foot there they have no problem holding it back as a mm. <laughs> exclusive for business and i don't mind it's business it's all business so no yeah because the Gem- gematsu article that uh, that you linked it shows yeah. a PS4, a Switch, and a PC in Japan. Uh, box art. Oh, that's all in Japan. Okay. That's yeah, all in Japan, yeah. Okay. Japan gets a physical starter package that's coming out on August 19th on there. But uh, unfortunately, those versions are not coming out physically in the U.S. There's no and physical And I'm assuming no, no language translation. Probably not, no. no. If there is, then there's a possibility you could play on PlayStation that way on there but i seriously doubt because right now if you try to play pso2 you can on your playstation but it's all going to be in japanese so the the english translation is gated onto the xbox platforms for console so okay yeah unfortunate but hey you know if microsoft's going to give you a money hat to translate this game into english i got no problem with that Mm -hmm. so All right. And next thing we'll kind of mention um, is a little bit of a state of execution. So Sony Interactive Entertainment has backpedaled and decided not to remove the um, PlayStation Store for both PS3 and Vita. So what happened is that Jim Ryan came and made a statement. There was a post on the PlayStation blog on there originally the playstation store for ps3 and vita devices were planned in december in august upon further reflection however it's clear that we made the wrong decision so he stated as today i'm happy to say that we'll be keeping the playstation store operational for ps3 and ps vita devices psp commerce functionality will retire on july 2nd 2021 as planned on here so when he made a backpedaling statement on the blog post indicated that when we initially came to the decision to end our purchasing support for playstation 3 and playstation Vita, was born out of a number of factors including commerce support challenges for older devices and the ability for us to focus more on our resources on newer devices where a majority of our gamers are playing on. Mm-hmm. We, see, we see now that many of you are incredibly passionate about being able to <laughs> continue purchasing classic games on PS3 and PlayStation Vita for foreseeable future. So I'm glad we are able to find a solution to continue operations and or IE <laughs> fight against this ferv- online controversy fervor about these PS3 storefronts and Vita storefronts going away. I could see the fervor on the Vita side, especially if you're a Vita loyalist, um, PS3, maybe not so much. I mean, I enjoyed both systems immensely, but at the same time, I don't see where the outrage is either. So um, it's it was kind of meant, and I'm glad they backpedaled at least on this because they should keep it up as long as possible. But I love the fact that these passionate gamers out here on Twitter 
<laughs> talking about it probably has not sniffed near a PS3 or a Vita in a long time, if ever. Probably. And they won't. They won't. And this is this is why I said it. So I, I posted on Twitter. So that means y'all going to start buying these old games, right? You know, start buying the games. They're telling you, well, you know, due to our their data, their data was showing that y'all ain't buying those old games. That's why they took the they, they made the decision to bring those stores down. Then every then the 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 vocal minority gets on Twitter or gets on Facebook and starts bitching and moaning about it. Ain't even thought about a PS3 game. Ain't even thought about a PSP game. Ain't even thought about a Vita. In fact, when the Vita was available. They were they were snickering about it, and and I guess rightfully so, be, so because of the the uh, the storage solution that Sony decided to go with. But again, y'all didn't support it, and they were going to end it, and they were just going to okay, let's take that money that we were spending and focus on new content. But no, y'all went and and, and did and did your your Twitter storm. And so now they're backpedaling. So my statement, y'all better make good and start buying them old ass games. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Make it uh, worth, you gotta make it worth the while. I mean, if you're gonna put your money where your mouth is, y'all were complaining, I can't get my PS3. And treating the Xbox solution as if you can play every single game that came out on the original Xbox and 360 on your series consoles or your your one consoles, which you cannot. No, you can't. <laughs> so you know, and, and acting like that is the greatest gift since sliced bread. So y'all go ahead and start buying those old ass games, but they're not going to do it because all they want to do is moan and groan and complain on Twitter or Facebook or whatever their social media uh, platform of choice is. That's uh, why I, I have no respect for, for, for a lot of these, 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 these so-called gamers on, on, you know, whatever, man, just, 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 you know, if, 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 if complaining on Twitter is your idea of gaming, then by all means enjoy, but for most y'all just just making noise. Uh, to me, it's almost like there's a game within the game to talk about their platform of choice. They're more beefing on Twitter than they are playing their actual damn console. So it's like yeah, it's like play your freaking game. And that and and they're t and 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 Ryan is telling y'all, okay, we're bringing this back. Y'all gonna spend some money, right? Y'all going to spend some money, right? That's what Jim is telling. That's what this statement is telling you. Y'all going to spend some money, right? We're bringing this to you. We're reversing this decision. So we better see some we better we better see some money coming in from this revenue from from this uh th this uh opportunity this revenue stream for these old ass games that we're paying licensing fees and uh uh data center fees and storage fees. And all these other kind of fees that are associated that we may or may not know about that are associated for these older platform games being supported on these storefronts. So open up your wallet, start buying them old ass games. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there was another thing, too, that uh, <laughs> some people have found a, a workaround to actually bring up the old PlayStation uh, PSN store for PS3 and also for Vita on the web. 
on there because what happened was Sony took the stores down on the um, on the internet basically, but they only took down a certain amount of files, and so there's a plugin now for Firefox and a workaround on Chrome uh, that you're able to bring up those stores in the web browser now still on there. So there's a backdoor into getting. Uh, those storefronts available on your PC. That way, you don't have to browse them on the device itself. So, yeah. And you know what? <clears throat> it is not the manufacturer's responsibility to make sure you always have access to the legacy content. It's not. It's like I said on Twitter. I would love to go to my local Chevy dealership and buy a 1967 Camaro, brand new off the lot. With the, with the manufacturer's warranty and all that, just like it was back in 1967, I'd love to be able to do that. But guess what? Technology doesn't stop. They have uh, uh, requirements, crash regulations uh, change over the years as technology improves. Miles per gallon requirements change as technology improves. It is not GM's responsibility to make sure I have access to all of their legacy their 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 legacy products. If I really want it and I got the pockets to do it, I can acquire a 67 Camaro through other channels. But it is not their responsibility to make sure I have access to their to that stuff. And and it's really at some point it becomes an impossibility because that's just money that's going out that you're not seeing a return on. So it is what it is, but they'll find something to complain about next week. I'm sure. So you know it. So, <laughs> all right. And I do have a couple of other news stories, real quick. Uh, there is a actual release date for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC versions of Ghost and Goblins Resurrection. That's going to be coming out on June 1st, according to a newly published Microsoft Store listing. Uh, pre-orders will include a one-day early access on May 31st on there. On there, so you know, leave it to Microsoft to uh, unveil new game titles on their store before <laughs> getting a press release out. And then also as well, Dragon Quest Builders 2 is coming for Xbox One on May the 4th, and it'll be available on Games Pass as well. For that, uh, another thing to look forward to, which we'll probably be talking about next episode, but uh, there is a Sony PlayStation China press conference 2021. It's going to be on uh, April 29th, but uh, there has been some postings that the game Lost Soul Aside is going to be um, have more information available. More than likely, there'll probably be a PS5 version of that game announced finally. I know, Kev, you were looking forward to that uh, game. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It, it was announced back in 2018 and it's just been uh, this has like been in development by one guy basically mm-hmm. one person that's been mainly f- uh, kind of getting this game to fruition on here uh, but uh, yeah there's been a lot of uh, I th- didn't we see that at the last PlayStation, PlayStation experience I think they did have it playable yeah they have a playable version of it yes I played it and it was wonderful yeah so it's like an excellent, like, you know, DMC type game, right? With mm-hmm. uh, a lot of uh, over the top uh, action combat, right? Yep. Good deal. All right. Well, let's end on a note. And this is talking about uh, our favorite game, Outriders, on here. So 
So there is a new story on Eurogamer talking about what's happening in the game right now. And unfortunately, it looks like uh, Outrider griefers are kicking co-op players out of in-game missions before they could get their loot. <laughs> so oh the, the game's uh, in-game dubbed Expeditions features a number of rock-hard encounters that, if completed, reward powerful loot. These expeditions only drop loot upon completion. After clearing the final encounter, you trot over to a drop pod, activate it, and it spits out your loot. It kind of reminds me at the end of a strike with Destiny. So, yeah. you know. But what's happening is that trolls are coming in and kicking you off the server before you could reach the drop pod. So there's yeah. been some people complaining online. Uh, this one username, Juicy Tangerine 3312 <laughs> on the uh, Outriders subreddit said, I joined early on an expe expedition, helped the guy all the way to the end, and right before we joined, opened the drop pod, he kicked me. <laughs> this is totally unfair. The same way someone can't join after the last encounter starts should be the same for kicking someone. So, mm -hmm. so good old fancy Tangerine 3312 is not alone. Over the past week, more and more Outriders players get stuck into its in-game. They've been receiving an uh, increasing number of reports from players who were kicked before they were able to get their loot on there. So, mm. so. Mm. Another subredditor, TX Diesel Kid, is another affected player. It's 2021 and people are still kicking before loot drop. <laughs> How is this <laughs> even a thing? I can, actually don't understand why someone would do this. How do people enjoy doing this? Well, I guess <laughs> it's the internet, sir. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. I, I remember that thing about Monster in the World about being griefed at the end so someone can't carve. And so, yeah, you know, that, that actually happened to me a couple of times. If there's a will, there is definitely a way. A so, way, yes. So, yes. Uh, add, add to the list that people can fly, have to take care of. Hopefully, this is on the list in some way or fashion on there. I haven't gotten to the end game yet, but I'm definitely going to make sure I've been playing with friends. Not yeah. with some randos. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, that's our news for this episode. Jam packed. Jam packed. Indeed. Indeed. So, and, and, and you know, the thing is, is that you, for these types of games, the idea is to build the online community and make it a, you know, a, I'm not going to say a, a place, a, a welcoming place. Or a safe space, because there is no such thing as a safe space. We live in the real world. There are jerks and a holes in 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 every in every in every in every area. But you would think that people can fly would have seen this coming. You know, I I don't know because like in Destiny, you know, you're on that timer. You can leave, but I don't think you can. I don't think you can, uh, uh, if you're hosting, I don't think you can end the session before the before everyone has a, has a chance to, that timer goes out. I don't think. No, I, I think they wrong. rectified it. I don't know if there was a problem with it dropping, but yeah. you, know, you were able to get your loot yeah. on there. So, And I think yeah. the reason Destiny didn't have that kind of problem was there really wasn't a way for you to grief after no. the missions were completed. 
Yeah, because I, I don't know if Outriders is running on a peer-to-peer -peer or not, but uh, you know, if you're going to give someone the ability to boot someone from the session, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's just bad. Yeah, they should, you know, take that ability out of it. So they should, they should. So that's how, that's hope. <laughs> Between the loot, the the loot vaporizing <laughs> and, and griefing, uh, this game is, has had has had its share of uh, growing pains. I'll say that. But contact you can reach our show at gamingvessels at gmail dot com. That's where you're going to want to send. Uh, 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 send an email if you've heard something on this show that you'd like to respond to or if you yourself would like to be on this show and get your opinions on our favorite hobby of gaming out to our listeners you're going to want to send an email to gamingvessels at gmail.com we can also be found on twitter at gamingvessels uh, and individually we have our own social media accounts i can be found on twitter at shonuff 71 that's S-H-O-N-U-F-F, the number 71. On PlayStation Network, I am Shonuff7, same spelling with the number 7 at the end. On Xbox, even though I'm sans in Xbox at the, at the moment, my, uh, my name is Shonuff071, same spelling with 071 at the end. Steam, I am Shonuff71, same spelling as before. And on Switch, my Switch number is 7658. Two one five five three three zero nine. So, Drew, what can folks get a hold of you at, man? Uh, on Twitter, you could get a hold of me at Joe Fongul, J O E F O N G U L. Uh, PSN and Steam, I am Kamunagara, K A M U N A G A R A. Uh, Xbox and you play, um, I am Kamunagara, same spelling, six nine nine five, and my Nintendo friend code is four seven one two. Five nine five three one four zero nine, and our other co-host Des can be found on Twitter at the Nemo Six. That's T H E N E M O S I X. His PlayStation Network ID is Nemo Tigger N E M O T G R. Also on Steam, Nemo Tigger, same spelling as his PSN ID, which is N E M O T G R. And his Nintendo Switch ID is 5280-6674-4519. So, folks, we want to thank you for hanging out with us to the end of this episode being number 122. As always, special shout-out to everyone who contributed to our main event, who actively contributes to our discussions on our... Um, on our Discord, on our Discord server, also, and I, I would be negligent if, and I was about to be negligent and not mention our Discord channel, uh, folks. Uh, feel free to join our Discord. I, you can find our a link to join our Discord wherever you download this podcast, whatever aggregate that you have. It is also on our Twitter handle at Gaming Vessels on Twitter. There is no, you know, uh, a verification you need to go through. There is no timed you know let's check you out before you jump in you know just click the link and join and you're in and we have a lot of good name gaming discussions all of the content that i would that i used to send to twitter uh 99.99 of it is going to our uh to our discord channel and uh, you know we have a lot of great gaming discussions diverse opinions on our favorite hobby going on everybody's respectful everybody has a good time so 
I would encourage our listeners who have not made that jump to our Discord to consider joining us there. We have a, it's a good time. And, you know, it's not, it's not an echo chamber, but the, the, the variance of opinion is always expressed with the highest level of respect for everybody taking part in, in their respective discussions. That's the thing I am absolutely 100% proud of. So please consider joining us on Discord. So with that, we are going to be bringing episode 122 to a close. For Trader Joe, the Food Max of Gaming, who will help maximize your gaming dollar. And for Dez, the absent Dez. <laughs> absent also gaming knows. stepdad. <laughs> yes. You're slipping, <laughs> bruh. You know, you know that, 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 that child support is due. <laughs> AKA, the, AKA, AKA the Bay Area Terror, AKA the High Res Hater, AKA Cat Daddy, AKA Gamer Stepdaddy. I am Shonuff71, and I'm telling y'all that we will be back next week with a new show. Peace.